Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Matthew chapter 2, this is where I'm going to, I'm going to dive in for the next three weeks. Some that are here tonight, you've been traveling or you've been gone, and we're just glad. I've looked around, I've seen some, I don't want to name names because that would get very dangerous. Um, I don't want anyone to be offended if I don't call their name, but I just want to say welcome home to those that are, are back that have been traveling. It's exciting, I, was, I walked in the sanctuary and I began to think about the classes uh, that are taking place outside in other areas right now. I'm very excited to know that there's probably a couple hundred people around the campus right now doing, doing other areas of ministry and being blessed and being served. It's exciting. It's exciting what God is doing. Matthew chapter 2, verses... Now, I'm going to do my best. You can see there it says verses uh, 1 to 11. I'm, I'm going to do my best to stay within verses 1 to 11 tonight, okay? Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men. Everybody say wise men. Those wise men, they came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that was born king of the Jews? Oh, Herod did not like this question important you know that. He didn't like it. We've seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, we're going to read these together. Read, start reading with me in verse 4. You'll see it there on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And let's begin to read aloud. And when... And the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Verse 5. And thou, Bethlehem, then Herod, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, When they had heard the king, When they saw the star, and when they were come into the house, oh, 
Oh, let's just love the Lord for the reading of his word. That was actually very powerful right there. Would you just love the Lord? Come on, for the congregational reading of his word. Thank you for your word, O Lord. Thank you for your word, O Lord. Hundreds of voices joined together reading from the text. Praise God. Praise God. To, you know, tonight and over the next uh, two weeks following, I want to talk about being a good gift giver. Some lessons from the Magi, from lessons, lessons from the wise men. Now, I want you to know I am not interested in allegorical teaching, okay? There are some people that try to find symbolism in everything. Oh, that's exhausting. We do, however, believe in the timeless truth of text, okay? We do believe that there was a prophetic promise of a Messiah, okay? It was going to be the greatest gift of all time for humanity. It really was. How many would applaud yourself by honestly saying you are a good gift giver? Raise your hand. You're not being egotistical. I ask you the question. How many of you know you are a terrible gift giver? Wow, we have a lot more terrible gift givers. So let's cancel the secrets. Some of us in here, we really love, truly love to give more than receive. Yet for some of us, your love language is gifts. And while you want to love more to give, you still kind of love to receive. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you are outgiven at a function? Let me flesh this out a little bit. Several people there at a birthday party. So-and-so, let's say your sister has just given her gift and it's been opened because she's an overachiever in the gift-giving world. There was supposed to be a $20 limit. Hmm, you know who you are. $20 limit. To you, that's just the starting line for negotiation. And so everybody else has to watch as they open your gift and their eyes get big and they, and they hold it close. I would have never dreamed. And you're sitting there thinking, don't open my next, don't open my next, don't open my next. And then they grab yours. <laughs> Sorry, I've done this. I've been here, been in this situation. You're thinking, oh, man, yeah, that's... And, and this is how you're feeling when they're opening it. Because every person in this room has been in a place where you opened a gift and had to give the cursory, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. This is what I've wanted today. All my today. <laughs> and you're the person that just watched them open that gift. Now they open yours and you're like, who, who's the cards? That's for me. That's mine. That's, I thought. 
And have you ever tried to sell your gift again out that they've opened it? What I was thinking was you could... Um, there's a gift receipt. You can just take that back. It's just... The great, the great gift giving of the Magi or the wise men is what I want to take a look at. And I, I, I really feel there's some importance for this, okay? Let's start here in number one. Christ's birth was the fulfillment of prophecy. I don't want to live for God so long, go to church so long, be so entrenched in being Pentecostal or whatever you might say or in being a Christian that I forget the basics, the strong basics, Brother Ross, about the reality that our identity as Christians is rooted in prophetic promise being fulfilled. It was prophesied that a virgin would give birth. Ladies and gentlemen, let's travel back to the very beginning of our faith. It's important there to remember he was born of a virgin. There was no physical way for her to be pregnant. But she was. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. If this bores you at all, I want you to be reminded this is what Christmas is all about. Okay? Christmas is not about fireplaces, although those are nice. It's not about getting or giving presents, although that's nice. It's about celebrating Jesus Christ. And, and at the start of his story, it is miraculous. He was prophesied to be, according to Isaiah, verse, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, he was going to be the mighty God. Let's go, let's go here together. Go to Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't have it, they're going to put it on the screen for us. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Here it is. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. So Wait, now time out. i got to step back. I've got some people that would be very upset that I didn't say thee. The Mighty God. Not a mighty God. Got that little bit of preacher wanting to come out of me. But he's the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. Now how can you talk about the Son being the everlasting Father? He is the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, for the second time it's mentioned, the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Of all of the prophetic promises, none must have destroyed the temporary establishment in the kingdom of hell 
than the prophetic promise that the mighty God would come to earth. The same God that kicked that demonic devil out of hell would take up residence here. And ladies and gentlemen, he did. And he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Some people talk about those swaddling clothes at the manger and they look at the Old Testament and they consider the hurt of the Old Testament. Anytime that you would watch a prophet in the Old Testament, you would watch a individual, typically a male that would come under time of great distress they would rip their clothing they would tear their mantle it was a visible sign of anguish consider Job, it's an easy visual for you, at his birth he is wrapped in swaddling clothes you've heard this before but some theologians speak to the symbolism in the fact that at his birth he was wrapped in the hurt of the Old Testament he took on the Old Testament and reached towards the New Testament at his birth alone. He was the mighty God. He was the mighty God. There was prophecy concerning Bethlehem. You read about it there in Matthew chapter 2 verses 5 and 6. When we're looking at our text and we're kind of seeing this dialogue, it's a very, very interesting dialogue between, uh, between Herod and between the wise men or the magi and, and, and they've been asked where he's going to be born. And so then Herod goes to the chief priests and the scribes. He, he brings them and the Bible says in verse 4, he demanded of them, where's he going to be born? Where did the people reach? They reached to Malachi. They reached to prophecy. Malachi 5 verse 2 tells us about the prophecy or gives us the prophecy of Bethlehem. Please put that on the screen. Malachi 5 2. Or Micah, excuse me. Micah 5 2. Thank you. But thou... Bethlehem, thou, though thou be of little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. It's going to occur in Bethlehem. Now, let's talk Let's talk. About the Magi. Let's talk about the wise men. Let's talk about who they were. They were from the east. Ladies and gentlemen, this would kind of tie into what we talked about a little bit on Sunday. They were not Jews. They were not Jews. They were not in proper proximity, but they did have a genuine. Desire. There's been so much study done on the wise men. It's a little bit, you can do some of your own study. I don't want to speak to too much of it as, as factual as far as who they were, where they came from. Different, there's different thoughts and, 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 and ideologies as far as what the descendants they came from. I don't want to get into all that. Here's what I want you to know. They were a group in the east that were anticipating his birth. Not from here. Let me pause. Let me take a preacher's pause here and tell you there are people not like us that are watching from the outside. 
anticipating, hmm, anticipating a promise. They were, in fact, anticipating a promise. So much so that in astrology, I don't understand how it works or how they had been given this. And I know there's different thoughts. I just don't want to get too far into it. But I know that they were watching for a sign. They were watching. They were looking. And they show up and somehow they get audience with Herod. I cannot imagine this was an easy thing to do. To get audience with Herod. The ruler that he was. But I tell you what got his attention when they came in saying, we're, we're looking for the king of the Jews that was born. Say what? That started spreading around. Who, who, who were they? They were from the east. They were seeking the king of the Jews according to his star. You see it there in the beginning. They followed and then they see a star. They, he's going to be born in Bethlehem and they see the star with the, that great delight. They begin to follow after it. They begin to seek. They begin to draw close to him. How many of you would like for it to be that clear to you? I'm not sure what I should. Never mind. On star got me. <laughs> follow. Clear path. How about, how about this? Their gifts, their treasures. We talk about the gifts of the wise men, the treasures of the wise men. Here's something I want us to know based on this principle and talking about gifts this season. And, and I want to talk about gifts in December. When they came to God, they did not come empty-handed. You should never, never show up to church empty-handed. Oh, here he goes. Going to start talking about my money. If your mind went there immediately, that's something you need to pray through. Got a little greed working on you. Because I wasn't thinking of money. There's a multitude of gifts. But I will tell you this, what you bring Christ will cost you something. We're going we're, we're to look at them. We're going to study them, what they brought. What you bring will, once you release it to him, please hear me. Once you release it to God, it should leave you with a sense of void. There should be vacancy. If you got $20 in your wallet and you have a teenager... Speaking for a friend. Once, once you give them $20 to put gas in the vehicle, you no longer have $20. It's gone. I had it. I didn't lose it. I gave it. When we come to church, when we come not even into this building, but even into his presence, we should come with gifts for him. Yes, we should. What gifts can we bring him? We're going to discuss this a little more over these weeks, but I want to tell you one of the great gifts that you can bring him is bring him your praise. Bring him your worship. Even after a tough day. Yes, you can. 
I got nothing to give. Yes, you do, because you're using breath to say you have nothing to give. Instead of using your breath to complain, use your breath to praise. Yeah. Instead of wasting up anybody else's oxygen with negativity, turn that towards God and be thankful that you've got a voice to lift. Be thankful that you can look towards heaven. You've got gifts to bring. They did not come empty-handed. So let's talk about some Magi myths. <laughs> we three kings of Orient. I know this is drawn from Isaiah 60. Some people have said, I don't know where they get this. If you do a little research, I think they pull it from Isaiah chapter 60, where it talks about gold and frankincense, this prophetic promise. I cannot speak with certainty that this is tied that this is tied to them. Some would argue strongly for it. Some would argue very strongly against it. But I will tell you this. There is nothing, just because there's three gifts, there is nothing that says there was only three wise men. In fact, I would, I would strongly suggest that there were more. There was, enough to get a, there was enough to get people riled up so that Herod himself took note of what they were saying. There wasn't a few crazy guys dressed funny. They had enough to cause a stir. The other thing is, and I don't want to, some of you have already got your nativity scene set up. <laughs> they weren't in the stable. <gasps> I'm not changing it. <laughs> don't have to. But they weren't there. It wasn't like the cow, the donkey, the shepherds. And the wise men. It wasn't. It wasn't. They were on a journey. They came from the east. Jesus was probably two or three years old by the time they got there. And if you, and if you take a look, if you take a look at the story, the timing makes sense. When you think, when you think that he is providing gifts out of time, or that he hasn't heard your prayer, or that he doesn't know where you're at, then you're operating on your timeline and not his. He is perfect in everything that he does. He's got it all ordered out. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he's got you. He, he's, he's got you. Just calm down. He's got you. Okay? Let's talk about Herod, because really he's a, he's a key, a pivotal player in this. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a very thorough, deep preacher's analysis of Herod. He was nuts. You can write that down. He was crazy, Brother Senior. He was crazy. He saw a new leader developing in everybody. He was a cutthroat leader. Yeah, he was. He was distraught when he found out that they said the king of the Jews had been born. What are you talking about, the king of the Jews? He demanded. Listen, I'm not talking, you need to understand the power of Herod. 
One of the great writers of antiquity said, it was better to be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. Uh Uh-huh. He wasn't just troubled. He was deceptive. Brother Vitae, he said, he said, find out where he's at and tell me so I can worship him. He, he was. He was deceitful. Why do you think he wanted to know where Jesus was? Yeah, he wanted to kill him. Hey, be careful who you tell your secrets to. It wouldn't make any sense for you to journey this long and then talk to just anybody about the special things God's doing. Guard. Mm. Guard your company. Yeah. Well, we better tell Herod. Well, they, they see the star again and they start following after. They're, they're not worried about this. The historical analysis of Herod is that he was a tyrant. He was power hungry. Killed his own children. One of the studies uh, was talking about how on his deathbed he puts all the leaders in prison. That no one was going to mourn his death. So he wanted there to be weeping on the day of his death. (laughs) He was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He He was crazy. And he... Somebody said, did he really kill the children? Yes. Yes, he really did. Did he really order for babies in Bethlehem to die? Yes, he did. Hear me. I'm going to put the devil on Herod here right now, okay? I'm I'm going to put these two together, and I want you to understand something with Herod. The devil is not concerned with how you feel. He is concerned about his agenda and his agenda alone. And he is working through Herod. But the process of God did not make it through all of those years of prophecy be, to be stopped by one devil-filled individual. Okay? And, and some of you need to hear me. You didn't make it through all that mess to get into holiday season and decide that one or two people that don't like you can stop your journey. Somebody just say amen. Just say amen to that. Amen. So so go with me here. The gift of gold. This is where I'm trying to get. Man, I'm breezing through those things. I'm trying to get to the gift of gold on this first night. I want to start by asking you a question. How much effort, Brother East, I wrestled this myself this week. I wrestled this knowing where where I'm trying to go and trying to develop over these three weeks is is, is getting us to consider what we bring. I've wrestled, I've I've wrestled the thought of this. What what effort, Brother Hunter, what, what effort do I put into what I walk into his presence with. But the sides, really, really, I mean, how much, how much thought, how much energy, how much investment do I put into coming into his presence? It really tells me a lot about how I view him 
based on what I bring to him. I think of Brother Harvey. Brother Harvey's done some work at the house. Thank God. Help me out. Um, when he showed up, it was a nightmare. I know it. You know it. But it would have been silly for you to show up at the house doing all that work and have no tools with you. Showed up with all this great equipment that I don't have. Let me ask you a question. If I know that when I come into this season, if I know that when I come into this house, that there are things I need from God, why would I not come prepared to give Him something in exchange? Why would, I not, why would I not show up here prepared to release something to God? Again, now I'm not going to get into the allegory of this, and I'm not going to tie a bunch of symbolism into the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but I, I do want to at least touch on them. I at least want to touch Brother Meyer on the fact that it was gold. This, let's, let's just get on this first one and think of gold. Gold is referenced nearly 200 times in the text. When you start in the Old Testament, though, I want us to at least consider the tabernacle and the construction of the tabernacle. And Brother, Brother Armado, that Ark of the Covenant, and it was built, and the way that it was constructed, and the, the way that the temple, what you think of it, from uh, all the way from, the, from Genesis to Revelation, the way that gold is utilized. When I think of gold, I think of purifi- pur- purity or purification is where I really go. Tried in the fire. A purifying, a refinement process. A hardening process. A precious metal. We know in today's day and age, Brother Barkis, it is not the most precious metal. There's a couple in front of it now by today's standards. But in this day's standards and the type of the text, this was the most precious metal to be given. And so when I think about the, the gold that is brought, I also have thought about the journey. How does a guy travel from the east what a weight it must have been to have carried. Would you really? But coming to him was never about convenience. If, you're, if you are serving him for convenience, you're serving, you're worshiping him for the wrong reasons. He was not coming to worship for convenience. He was coming to worship because it was the prophecy being fulfilled. The promise was going to be there. Ladies and gentlemen, when we walk into this house and we, walk, we begin to throw up our hands, we don't do that because it's convenient. When we begin to shout and praise, how about the fact that most of you, you're here every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. A lot of you are up on Zoom meetings on 6 in the morning on prayer calls. You're, you're a part of Tuesday evening prayers and, and, and some of you at Thursday some of you teach and you're uh, why are you doing it's not for convenience it's something that you give to him it is it is a part of the gift that I bring and that gold is that precious standard it is that isn't it interesting brother Hauk that at his birth a wise man that has never met him brings him gold and at his death a man that has watched miracles betrays him for merely silver Because once you grow comfortable with his presence, you can take what one man was willing to give at his entrance into the world and denounce his fame and even his life with something lesser than. I feel a little check right now in my spirit. Something for us to think about, and I want you to hear me when we consider the gift giving of this season. I do not want to make him the lesser of what we give to people. 
I do not want to put more energy or effort into what I give my family, my friends, my kids during this season, during this Christmas season. I do not want to put more energy into the gifts that I give others than the gifts I give God. If I am willing to buy them something extravagant, something that costs me, but yet what I give to Him, whether it is financially or physically or emotionally, if what I give them costs me much, but what I give Him costs me little. Does it make sense? I have to take some lessons from these wise men. And I, I consider that in the sense of, of, of gold and what we're what we're what we're getting into and what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to do. When I take all of this and I package it together and I try to put it to the place of, uh, uh, of what they've laid at his feet, I think about the eternal value of gold. And I understand that in, in the revelation of that, that eternal promise that the streets would be gold, so, so pure that it's transparent gold. We've never seen this. We don't, I don't know that we can understand it. I don't know that it could even be pinned uh, with our, our finite minds being able to comprehend it. But I do know that it did something to attach us and, and try to get our, uh, a place where, where deity and humanity could try to intermingle for this eternal uh, payoff that was going to happen. But it was all a part of this recognition of what we give him matters. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. For the most part, what we give him, what we give him and get, we get the good end of this deal. <laughs> How about the whole beauty for ashes? One on that one. How about joy for mourning? I'll, I'll, I'll take that gift. How about this? You give me your sin, I'll, I'll give you repentance. How about the remission thing? I'll give you that. There's nothing, but here's what we do if we're not careful, especially living in North America, if we're not careful, we'll try to hold everything. We give our time in little spurts. We give our finance in little spurts. We give our, we give our words. We give negative words in abundance, but we give positive words sparingly. We must consider the gifts we give. Let me tell you, when you consider the gifts you give this season with lesson one, lessons from these wise men, consider this. Be willing to go whatever distance he calls you to. Whatever distance he calls you to, be willing to go. Be willing to confront anybody and tell them that there is one king of the Jews. There is one King of kings. There is one Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. And then listen, if you get all the way, they got all the way from their long traverse from the east all the way, they're in the right country but not the complete location. Just because we've been traveling towards him, ladies and gentlemen, we're not there yet. I'm traveling. I'm getting closer. But I'm not there yet, and I'm not going to call this there if it's not. And so I want to keep moving towards him. And, and then be willing to focus on what leads you closer. For them, it was a star. For most of us in this room, if we would boil it down, you know what gets you closer to God. You do. Listen to country music all day and then wonder why you're depressed.
All right? Listen to news all day long and wonder why you're irritated? You're mad at everybody. Just mad at everybody. Everybody's, even the dog can't do nothing right. Well, then give those things. Give those things and focus in. Follow what gets you closer to, well, I always feel like I'm a little closer to him when I start my day in prayer. Then start your day in prayer. I always feel like I'm a little closer to him when I actually open up my Bible and work through it. Then open up your Bible and and work through it. Brother West, I saw you post something yesterday or a couple days ago about reading through your whole Bible. You can read through your whole Bible in about 14, 15 minutes a day given to it. If you've never read through your Bible in a year, I'd challenge you to do that. If you have and you've never done it in six months, then let me challenge you to do that. Give a little bit more of your time to a God who gave you everything. Okay? And then when they got close to him, listen, again, it was not all in the journey. When they got close to him, they gave without expectation of return. And this is where I close tonight. Giving gifts is not about getting gifts. They didn't get down between, before a two or three year old Jesus and say, Here, here's, here's the gold. Do you have anything for me? No, we're, we're laughing, but that's what we do. God, I praise you. So you know. If you got a raise, if you got some blessings, you could just throw my way. Sometimes we lose fat. That just being in his presence is the blessing. Just knowing his name is the gift. Just having his word is the blessing. Stand with me tonight. The gifts you give matter. The gifts you give matter. They do. Husbands, (laughs) let me help you. It does matter what you get her. Okay? She does not... Well, I better be careful. Just think through the gift. I didn't think it would be insulting. Think through the gift. Ladies, if he tells you he doesn't want anything, he does. You said you didn't want anything. He wants something. Think through it. Think through the gifts. But let's not spend more time honoring each other. Would you lift your hands? Let's start right now. Let's give some gifts of praise to the Lord on this Wednesday night. Come on, as we launch into December here. Come on, would you lift your hands right now and start by giving Him the gift of telling Him that you love Him? I give you my praise. I want it to roll off my my tongue right now. I want you to know that I honor you. That your goodness and your mercy, it really does endure forever. And I, I want you to know that I recognize I have nothing without you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. I give you a gift starting tonight of my time. I give you the gift of my, my praise and my worship. I'm going to give you the gift over the, next, over the next few days in this week. I'm going to give you the gift of telling somebody about you. 
I'm going to give them a gift that's more important than anything else I could give them. Oh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. What does gold matter? It's precious, it's weighty, and it's worthy. Give something over this next week if you can. Start your giving early. Give that gift. Let it be precious. Let it be weighty. And let it be worthy. Okay? Try to give something over this next week to somebody.